0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. Today, we're going to talk about branding and the importance of being family-friendly, particularly moving forward as we hit a recovery phase in the restaurant industry. And with me is our representatives from C3, which is a marketing and branding agency in Kansas City. And we have Jennifer Loper, who's the president there, and Julia Foley, who is the in charge of insights and strategies, she's a supervisor there. So welcome, ladies. I guess, first tell me, what does C3 do?
1: Thank you, Barbara, we're thrilled to be here. We appreciate it. Um, So C3 was created in Kansas City, um, over 34 years ago. And what we do is we bring brands to life for families with children. And we do that primarily in the restaurant and, house, and hospitality um, industries. And really what sets us apart from other branding and traditional agency um, advertising agencies is we're experts in this families with children consumer segment. And additionally, um, we're not just doing things that are fun, um, though we do lots of fun things, what we do is we ground what we do in insights and strategy. And what that typically results in is a custom and sometimes award-winning program that essentially connects families with children um, to the brands that we work with. And we do that in uh, many different ways, um, but we always start with insights and strategy um, to ground us in the
0: the brands that we're working with. So who were some of the brands that you work with and what are some examples of the campaigns that you've done for them?
1: Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, we have um, several brands that we work with. And I know sometimes that can be a little bit of a different approach from a traditional agency where they may only have one retail brand or one restaurant brand. Um, but what we've discovered is we've got a vast um, amount. We've got a large teams, different teams that work on each of the brands. And every every brand has their own brand promise and goals. And so what we do is we help um, define those um, goals and and relate them to their families uh, with children consumer. So I will start by letting you know, um, we are a company that has a lot of longevity with our clients. So I think it's important to state this and we're Midwestern, so we don't do a good job of bragging about ourselves or talking about all the great things that we do because we um, like being in Kansas City, like I said earlier. Um, we just kind of do the work that needs to be done, and we, we we're not comfortable talking about ourselves. But uh, most of our clients we've worked with um, for ten or more years. So our largest client is Sonic Drive-In, and we have worked with Sonic for 34 years. They were our first client, they're our most tenured client, um, and so what we've done with Sonic, um, which has been just a lovely partnership and so much history we could have an entire podcast just on the history of um, c3 and sonic <laughs> is creating and uh, helping them create the wacky pack so that is the child's uh, meal and we created the wacky pack in tandem with an individual who at the time um, worked for sonic drive-ins and then she eventually worked for c3 her name is sherry hasty um, she has since passed away but sherry was just, she, she was the person who within Sonic came up with the idea and we work with Sherry and her name is spelled C-H-E-R-I-E. And one of our, um, Sonic (laughs) brand treasures is Cherry. So there's a, there's a little bit of a connection there. Um, so we've, it's been interesting with Sonic. We've grown with them, as you can imagine, partnering with them for 34 years. And they've done a variety, um, of programs. And for a while, and I'm not sure how familiar you or your audience um, is with with uh, the sonic offering, but their food is very much a part of who they are as a brand. So for many years, we focused on the brand treasures of the tater tot. And we had a whole series of tots that we did, and we have them in the wacky pack. Um, but then as consumers evolved and as the brand evolved and we work with the brand to understand what that consumer really desired, um, we actually now do an all, um, we do a program that has, that we link to licenses. And what's unique about what we do is we will partner with the Nickelodeon as an example with Sonic, but we will make a custom product for Sonic. It won't be a off-the-shelf Spongebob as an example. So even though it's Nickelodeon, and even though it's, for example, Spongebob, we make a unique sonic experience with Spongebob. Um, so that, that's that been some of our greatest work, um, and it's, it's just fun to see how much pleasure that experience has brought to so many consumers over 34 years.
0: And can you just name some of your other uh, brands that you work with? Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, So we work with Raising Canes, and Raising Canes is a chicken fingers concept, which is not, um, it's still more of a regional brand, but boy, it sure has the impact of a national brand. They're just not, in in terms of real estate, they're not um, everywhere yet, Um, but we have a much different approach uh, with Raising Canes, which is interesting. They have five pillars that represent their brand, and that is something that they communicate out to, um, to on their website. It's, it's what they're known for. And we've been able to take those brand pillars and create a kids program that leads into each one of them. So our program for them focuses on, as an example, pet welfare is one of their brand pillars. So one of our kids' programs will be focused on pet welfare, but we do it in a way that it makes sense for kids. Uh, we don't want to talk about, you know, the bad side of pet welfare that can be a little bit, you know, of a mature conversation as it relates to the number of pets and that they're not cared for. So it's it's very important that we can communicate that message in a way by learning about the consumer and knowing what the what the brand essence is in a way that is entertaining and fun and brings kids in at their at their level and at the appropriate uh, in the appropriate way something that we do for raising canes it's a little bit different is every year at the holiday time we create a plush puppy so cane is their icon their one of their brand treasures and he is a dog he is a labrador And we're on cane three, I believe, because Todd Graves has owned the company and cane has been a part of that brand for over 26 years. So um, there's been a few canes, but we are on cane three. And so what we do is we create a cane plush puppy and typically um, we partner with a license and we offer that plush puppy like I said, during the holiday season. And that proceeds go to benefit pet welfare. And even though it's a plush puppy, it's not a quote unquote kids program, Um, you would be surprised or maybe you wouldn't be surprised how many adults um, love that program. And we get get little messages through the brand about all the plush puppy collections and how adults are so happy to, to see that offering. Um, but it's a nice way for us to lean into the brand's philanthropy with a brand treasure. That also is a way to connect not just with kids and families, but with all their consumers. Um, and we've we've done we've partnered with them on that program for over ten years now. So again, just a little bit of a a, sh- a, a shift or a nuance from the quote unquote normal kids program. Um, we also work with casual dining clients. So we work with Chili's as an example. And what a consumer is looking for in a casual dining experience is very different than what they are seeking in a fast food or a QSR experience. And it's interesting to know that um, we believe, and, and we've worked with Brinker, again, um, we work with clients for a very long time to build that relationship and to know who they are we've worked with Raker for over 15 years. And there's a different goal with entertaining and connecting with families in a casual dining atmosphere versus a QSR. And so what a program like that looks like is more of an activity book and crayons and a cup to ensure that the kids um, feel like, hey, this is a place for me. They've made special, there's special items here that speak to me. And from a parenting perspective, we're very mindful of how important a cup experience, as an example, can be. Um, if a cup, if there's a spill, and it, it's just not a good thing for the, for the uh, experience. Um, so, those are a few of our clients. And, Julie, do you want to add?
2: Yeah. To any of I things? was just going to add that, you know, just like Jennifer said, our business model is all about connecting and really understanding each of our clients brands and then bring that to life for kids and you know even though there's kind of a standard model for qsr versus a uh, casual dining we'll work with the brand and understand what their goals really are like for example one of our clients is texas roadhouse and they're casual dining so they'll have kind of the activity book at the table and crayon and the cup but they also kind of they value that um that customer experience and really giving their customers a, a kind of above and beyond experience that they also um give out toys um in addition so they're very unique um for texas road um f- for a casual dining client and and so it's um Really, we worked with them to understand, Okay, so if your goal is to have this above and beyond experience, why not do something that none of your peers do? And that's why they use toys to connect with families in the restaurant for special events, but also bring them out into the community um, if they're doing some kind of community event.
0: So one of the things that struck me while I was looking at your website was that you refer to yourselves as a brand activation agency. Um, so what does that brand activation mean? Um, and what does it mean to the brands that you work with?
1: Yes, it's such a great question. And there's a, it's interesting. There's a lot of talk all of a sudden around brand activation. And we feel like we've done that for years and perhaps we just didn't know to call it that, (laughs) but what we do for our clients is create this opportunity for an emotional connection with the brand. And that's typically through that entertainment experience, and it can look different. It can be all different types of things. It can be a toy. It can be an activity book. It can be um, a thought starter. It can be a little um, kind of would you rather card deck that perhaps asks questions that if you're sitting at Texas Roadhouse or Chili's, you can ask your parents, hey, what was your favorite food when when you were when you were young? So it enables this enables a brand to to just interact directly with the consumer and with the intention of building that brand loyalty and and really that community um, and to create this experience that lasts beyond just that time in the restaurant or that time in the car or that time at home
2: yeah and just to add to that you know the uh, the idea of customer experience is just really a, a trendy topic and really important to brands these days. And we kind of... We, we agree with that. And we focus specifically on that family experience part of the customer experience. And um, when you think of... Uh, kids, sometimes brands will, will say, well, that's just a small part of a business. That's not a big deal. But we remind our brands and, and potential clients that families are so much more than that. You know, we we dig into data from NPD that shows that 28% of all restaurant traffic is from families uh, with kids under 13. So even though, you know, kids, the kids' meal itself might just be a one percentage of sales, knowing that more than a quarter, you know, even up to a third of business is from those families and giving them that great experience that, like Jennifer said, creates that emotional connection. That's when what it what's going to keep them coming back. So, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to help our our clients. Um, gain customers and have return customers. And we really feel like that emotional connection is so important to do that.
0: So how did the pandemic affect
2: what you do?
1: It's interesting. It obviously impacted our clients greatly being in the restaurant industry. And we, um, we really just took the journey with them to be quite candid. And if anybody says to me, Oh, gosh, I knew exactly what to do at the moment that that happened. i have I honestly think they're either a mystic or they have a a crystal ball that nobody else had access to. And I believe it was the first time um, that I can remember where we would talk to clients and they were saying to us as much as we were saying to them, we're not sure what to do, but we're going to figure it out together. So we did some very practical things and I'll use Sonic again as an example. So something that we were able to provide to them, which seemed very simple for us based on what we do. We have a company filled with illustrators and creative directors and designers and industrial engineers. And so what we talked with them about was how can we help create an experience at home if a family is not able to get to the drive through or that's not something they're going to do right away. So we created simple activity sheets with the characters and the brand treasures of Sonic. And our illustrators did these just fun and beautiful and just great you yeah, what I would say is a simple activity sheet. And we created, um, of course, because we are a branding agency, and that's a very, a very much the essence of what we do. It was based on obviously the Sonic brand, but what was currently in the market for the kids program at that time. And parents were able to download at home these activity sheets and the feedback that Sonic got from consumers around that simple act, what we felt like was a simple act was very positive and overwhelming. So that's a very concrete example of how we were able to help our clients. And I think it's interesting too, in terms of connecting with them. And we had, of course, with any client, you have a typically a weekly status um, meeting with them or an update. And we did those like most companies via zoom and we start to started to see the humanity in all of us and i'm sure you've had experience experiences like this just and what you do i know internally as a c3 we've had that but um i know what julia's you know dog looks like and she knows my son has a room that's filled with trains and We started to see the humanity in each other in a way that I think before that, that we didn't. Um, and we just gave each other grace. And so we all were on the journey together. Um, we, and we all figured it out. And then of course, we did what we could to help our clients achieve the goals that they had during that time. Um, whether it was at a QSR, whether it was to go all of a sudden we have clients that work in the CDR space that say, I need to become an expert in, in to go. And we said, gosh, what a great opportunity to bring the kids experience home. And they said, oh my gosh, we never even thought of that. And we said, just use what you have now, literally put your activity book and your crayon and your cup in the to go bag. And we had some clients embrace that and they did it and they said, my goodness, we've gotten such positive feedback from something that seems so simple, but consumers were really yearning for that as much to in restaurant experience as they could get, even though they were home.
2: And I'll add one more thing that, uh, you know, that really affected us during the pandemic and continues to affect us is, you know, supply chain, which is something that, you know, timelines have just gotten really stretched. And our team here has been so good about looking ahead and tracking that um, on a Regular basis, weekly, if not daily basis, and saying, okay, because of these massive changes going on in supply chain, we're going to have to come up a backup, for, come up with a backup plan for our client, um, because we don't want any gaps for um, those kids coming to visit our clients and expecting that kind of fun little extra. So when we were able to see, like, these the supply chain issues are going to cause a two week delay in getting. Um, the premiums to stores, we need to come up with a backup plan and create something domestically that can be done really quick. And the team has just been so amazing and nimble. at would be able to handle that and be completely transparent with our clients too, um, and letting them, them know um, what what to expect and um, and all, all the barriers we're facing, but still we're able to deliver. So I'm really proud of our team for being able to, being able to do that.
0: So one of the things you also did was um, do a survey about guest expectations post-COVID. So what were some of the questions that you asked, and why did you feel it was so
2: important to start that conversation now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've actually been doing surveys kind of throughout the year because we really felt it was important to keep talking to parents during this time, um, what they're feeling, what they're expecting. And our um, most recent one was from early April, kind of just as things were starting to loosen up a little bit, more people getting vaccinated, cases going down. So it was really, it felt like a real inflection point at that time to say, okay, so it feels like things are changing. It feels like the next few months are gonna be maybe a return to normal. So we really wanted to understand from the parents' perspective, um, what, what their kind of restaurant expectations and game plans were. So we did a survey about 500 parents, all of, and they all had kids ages three to 12. So really in that family sweet spot. And we just asked them, you know, when are you planning to take your kids to restaurants again? And we asked them about what their expectations are when they're there. And, you know, we were speaking specifically of going indoors at restaurants because we know off-premise has been through the roof and, and people have been doing outdoor dining, but that big barrier was really going indoors. So trying to understand, okay, so what, what do you expect when you take your family there and, and how are you feeling about it? Um, and, and it was really great to get some of those insights from, from parents directly. So
0: what were some of these results? You know, what are families expecting and what are they
2: concerned about? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, parents were ready or many, many are ready to take their kids back to restaurants. Um, And and I will say, I think that's one of the results that surprised me because I thought there would still be some hesitancy knowing that kids aren't gonna be at least kids in that, you know, three to 11 range aren't gonna be able to be vaccinated for quite a while. But I think a lot of people, a lot of parents were just ready to get out there and give their kids that experience they've been missing. So that was one of our initial findings that it it was only about 10 to 15% of parents who said like, not for a long time, am I gonna take my kids to a restaurant? So there was a lot of openness to going inside restaurants. And then in terms of expectations, you know, that's another thing that surprised us a little bit. We kind of went in with this expectation or a hypothesis that parents would be giving grace to restaurant owners since they are going to, they, you know, we, we hear so much about how restaurants are struggling with staffing and et cetera. Um, but actually what we found is parents, parents saying like, no, my expectations are high, even higher than they were pre COVID. And so it's so interesting that for them, that, that, in restaurant experience is such a special experience they're actually like and we haven't done it for so long therefore their their expectation of giving their family such a good experience was actually higher and even the ones who said actually my expectations are lower i'll be giving some grace we kind of poked on that and said well what do you mean by giving grace and they said well you know i i expect maybe some things will take a little more time since restaurants are just getting back on their feet but i will not tolerate you know, rudeness, I still expect friendly service. So I think that was another big aha for us. Like, again, coming back to that experience that when a family goes out to eat, they're looking to have a good time, they're looking for anything that'll increase that good time and enhance it and en- enhance that family time. And and trying to avoid anything that'll kind of put a damper on it.
0: So what are some of the things that they're looking for? Um, that might, you know, dampen that experience when they're
2: in a restaurant? one of the things they're, um, that they're, they expect is just friendly service. And I think we all expect that just living in the world and us being in the restaurant industry understand that with staffing being an issue, that might be kind of hard um, to always get um, all employees to be on the same page and kind of knowing what to do. But I think just coaching um, Coaching employees that, you know, empathy and friendly service will go such a long way um, for these parents. I mean, I think that's true universally for sure. And then the other concern we still saw from parents is that the number one thing they still expect from these restaurants is that kind of cleanliness and sanitation procedure. So that's not going away yet. Um, so that's still the number one thing. And then um, and then uh, when we asked them about how they're going to make the decision about kind of which restaurants to go to, the number one thing, like I was saying, was that kind of they trust their cleanliness and sanitation procedures. But the number two thing was that they be kid friendly, as in they're welcoming to kids and they have little things that entertain the kids and add to the kids experience. So speaking with families. Um, you know, specifically, that's what they're looking for.
1: And it's been so great, uh, Barbara, and for you and, and your listeners, that we we wanted to have this, we wanted to do this survey. So we were prepared and and obviously not just prepared, but we're able to guide our clients um, because it's as as you and, and many folks in the restaurant industry, we're in restaurants a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we're in restaurants, uh, clients, restaurants, our our clients competitors restaurants and you know anecdotally we started to see some things and we were probably going into restaurants prior to uh, the quote-unquote normal population just because of the industry that we're in where this um, opportunity to kind of go back to the basics and remember the importance of the little things was starting to present itself and so perhaps that was and I can't recall because These things just sometimes happen in a conversation. That perhaps was the genesis of us doing the survey. But it's um, what we what we want to bring to our clients always is value and information. And so this is something that we felt would be valuable to all of our clients. There's different expectations depending on if you are QSR or fast casual or um, CDR. But this idea that um, parents don't want to have brands um, not invest in them. They don't want that to be the area where they cut back was really, I I would say a headline as it related to what we heard. And I understand when there are supply chain challenges and just financial challenges, we we understand operators need to, and, and it's very important to take a look at where you can cut back. And what we heard loud and clear from consumers was don't make this one of those spots where you, where you cut back, where we come in and there isn't an activity book. There isn't this kind of normal expectation that we have. Um, and so the, the other interesting little nugget that we learned was there's this new wait time that we have discovered with casual dining. And with, this is a great sign in addition to just to be totally candid we're starting to see our orders in casual dining um, increase just from a c3 perspective so that means our casual dining clients are starting to order the items that are in their kids entertainment experience um, really close to pre-pandemic levels so i think that's really positive for the industry Um, but this idea that now there's perhaps a wait at a casual dining restaurant that wasn't always the case pre-COVID. And some of that weight can be from a staffing challenge and some of that weight can just be from, there's a lot of people in there. And so what we were working on and talking to our clients about is how do we now, how do we now solve for and create a bond and an emotional connection in this new opportunity where it could be a frustrating moment to have to wait with young kids for a table. Now it could be a moment where we activate them to engage with the brand and connect with the brand. So as an example, if you've got a 20 minute wait, and I have this opportunity through a deck of cards or some little simple activity that I can do sitting in a waiting area, I don't need a table coloring and and that type of thing. But if there's this new opportunity to connect with the people that I'm there and make the experience pleasant, what a great, Opportunity for us to inform our clients that that could be something that could they could tap into and and really take um, understand where the consumer mindset is and lean into that and meet them where they are.
2: Yeah. You know, we talk about, um, activity books at the table and casual dining as a weight buster, you know, it's something that kids do can do while they wait for the server while they wait for their food. And now there, there seems to be more and more a need for like a secondary weight buster, like Jennifer was talking about that's before being seated, but it's gotta be a different solution because they won't necessarily have a table that they can color on. Um, so it, like Jennifer was saying, it really needs to be something, that can be done in the car or standing up but that can still be interactive and fun and it it could go beyond kids even i know adults would also appreciate just a little a uh, little fun or bonding time while they're waiting and it just makes it go by so much faster so we've been um you know talking to our clients about this as a um as an opportunity we think they should really lean into
1: and i'm not sure if this feels a little bit um kind of out of left field but something I've discovered being working in the industry for nearing 20 years is this idea and we talk to operators about this uh, um, there's typically within a, a group that your staff that somebody that gravitates towards families and when I've talked to franchisees and operators and all kinds of folks depending you know they can own the restaurant or just have worked in a restaurant they're like you're right there's always like that one person who tends to be the one who really likes the family interaction. And so what we do is we encourage um, operators and managers and and folks in the restaurant, identify that person and kind of make them your quarterback, so to speak. (laughs) And they they can, through action, show what it means to engage families. And Barbara, families are not looking for anything that is unreasonable or really that difficult. They want to be, acknowledged they want to and they want to be heard even when visually perhaps if there's a struggle at the rest at the table they appreciate a kind a kind um word to say oh goodness is there anything i can get you that will help um, practical basic things we've heard parents say we want to make sure that when we sit down we have extra napkins that the table isn't sticky that if we could have a booth versus perhaps a four top, we'd, pre- we'd prefer a booth so we could kind of trap our child in, in the booth. I mean, these are things we hear from parents. And my point in all of that is none of that is different in the pandemic and, and parents aren't expecting anything different when, when they come back into restaurants.
0: So, you know, we've kind of hit on this, um, but, maybe we didn't cover everything. So what are some things that you think restaurant owners should take away from the survey?
2: See, what what didn't we cover already? <laughs> you know, I think it's also just to, that that families are important, you know, they're they're a bigger piece of the business than sometimes you think and and check is higher when families come in with their kids. It's eighty one percent higher when kids are present. So really, having a special focus on families um, is is just good for business. And then just to reiterate what Jennifer said, it's also this idea of a little bit can go a long way. It's um, you know, it's restaurants going be making these. Relatively small investments that really make an impact and make families feel like, okay, this brand gets me. They get my family and they get my kids, and that makes them want to come back.
1: Yeah, and to to um, reiterate a little bit of what Julia said, this idea of a little bit goes a long way. is is such a simple statement, but it's but it's so true. And we've seen this not just um, during the pandemic. I, I believe believe it was really heightened. And I'll you go back to that sonic example of that simple, just downloadable sheet that parents found so much value in. And it gave them a, a, just a respite in this time of, oh my goodness, I'm trying to figure out the Zoom and the, the class schedule. And my kid just wants to color Cherry and, and Doug and, and all of the, the characters. It just brought them a little bit of joy. and. What we talk to our clients about and potential clients is sometimes I believe, um, and we work with marketing and we also work with supply chain because we do for the most part um, provide a physical product. So we do have supply chain as a part of um, our key contacts, but it's interesting that a small investment can go such a long way. And I will use just our, just a very basic example for a kid's activity book and a cup and a crayon, it's a very low cost of entry. It could be, it's less than 20 cents per kid. And the beauty of an activity book is that it can be such a workhorse and it's a workhorse as it relates to where a child is in their development. Are they a reader, or are they not a reader? We know from doing research with parents for 30 years, there are some evergreen things and if you have kids or your audience has kids um, or grandkids, or you, you know, we've all been a kid. That's the <laughs> beauty of, of too, the segment that we work with. I mean, we've all been kids. There are some evergreen things that kids always enjoy. And so just to be a little bit tactical, but to give you some practical examples of what that looks like, tic-tac-toe is a huge, it's, it's something that we've heard for decades, we like tic-tac-toe on, on an activity book. And what we, what we love is that our designers and illustrators are trained to understand where kids are at different developmental levels. So we can have an activity book that can literally be a, an 11 by 17 piece of paper folded in half that costs about three cents and that has this incredible design and thoughtfulness put into it and it can entertain a child who can't read, it can entertain a child who can read. It can be a source of connection with an adult, either the child's parents or grandparents. And so in this simple piece of paper that's been thoughtfully designed, it can change the world. And I mean that may sound <laughs> a little bit corny and and it may sound a little bit like um yeah, we're, we we think it's much more important than it really is, but that that ability to have that connection and and that opportunity to come together as a family in that moment is just what keeps all of us going and, and quite honestly why i wake up every morning because it's it's a small thing that can have such a great impact um and kids remember that we we did a survey this was years ago and it was around what do you remember as a kid when you would go to restaurants and the things that people remember, little things, and you, Barbara, you probably have those in your own personal experience. I have them, and we ask mm-hmm. colleagues here. We have a colleague that remembers a glass set, like um, I believe it was from a fast food restaurant. He's from the South, and he's like, oh my goodness, every time my mom pulled that glass out, you know, <laughs> we, it was always so special. So these small things can make big impact and create a lifelong connection.
0: So it kind of leads into... Uh... Something else that that you were discussing about, you know how um, how has the evolution of kids' entertainment moved more toward uh, from being just kids focused to family entertainment, and how is how do restaurants respond to that?
1: Yeah, I love this question, and I probably have a point of view that's a little <laughs> bit more um, that's, that that that's going to be different than Julia's because she has some definite um, you know facts and quotes that that, I, that parents have told us. So it depends a lot what we've discovered on the concept itself. So whether it's a QSR, CDR, casual dining or a a fast casual, pardon me, it can also depend on kind of the situation, so to speak. So here's what we do know is that when we talk to parents about, as an example, a, a premium in a meal bag, there is this, and this has been repeated for years, and and we've asked the same question for decades. What's the most important thing? And it's always food and fun. Like they're always right next to each other. Mm -hmm. So this idea of a child having a toy in a, quote unquote, toy in a bag is very appealing. And it doesn't mean that's just the experience for the child, though they're interacting with the toy. But the experience brings the parent in in a way that, They're happy and satisfied that their child is so delighted and happy and satisfied. I I don't know if you want to speak a little bit more to that particular example.
2: Yeah, well, what I would say is we see a lot of interest for family-based activities, but there's that need for something that a kid can do on their own. That's not going to go away either, Um, especially if parents are trying to kind of have a conversation, especially if they're having a drink. Maybe they're that's more appropriate to have some kind of kid focused activities. But as we're talking more and more about off-premise solutions, like what's a fun thing that can be put into a to-go bag that a family takes home? Maybe that's a place where there's more room for a family interaction or a little game or, you know, kind of family game night or a little card game, something that kind of makes that um out of restaurant experience really brings up the that kind of family bonding moment, um, and then as Jennifer was saying, there's there's also solutions that can do both. You know that. Um, that that can feed the like this is something for a kid to do independently and have fun at, um, but then there's also room to have conversation starters that really um, ups the fun for the whole family. Um, so it's very situation dependent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're hitting on something there. You know where, um, you know how how restaurants can you know create memorable mm-hmm. experiences whether the guests are dining in with them or takeout or even delivery. Um, So finding these different solutions um, that meet those needs. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: And one little nugget that we've learned, and we've heard this prior to COVID, but, but I believe it's been a little bit more pronounced, is this idea of tangible play that is not digital. There is a time and a place for that. And we have heard from parents that it's okay to not have a digital option sometimes. Sometimes it makes sense, and and it's okay. And again, like I said, it's a bit more pronounced, I believe, um, during COVID with all the reliance on technology and parents sometimes feeling like, oh my goodness, I feel like my child is on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking at their computer lap or their um, iPad all day long. The, the the last thing I want is something that they have to go online to be entertained. Um, but we saw this even pre-pandemic. And so um, Minecraft, which I'm not sure you're familiar with Minecraft, but (laughs) Minecraft is a very popular um, game with kids. It's, it's It's a digital game and they do building basically. And so what we learned in talking to parents about that type of play is parents would see their kids love Minecraft and want to do Minecraft, but then they would also create this Minecraft outside in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And so they would, and we saw this with the retail um, part of Minecraft too, where they, and I won't say the right, if I had my boys here, I would be corrected, but I don't, (laughs) I won't say the right things, but they have like picks and and shovels and and that, that type of thing. So the retail side of Minecraft was making those physical items, but then parents were seeing, hey, there's this opportunity that my kids are taking this digital game but they're going outside and creating this minecraft arena and using their imagination and perhaps they have one of these you know physical picks or shovels that they bought at target Um, so i say that because years ago we heard oh my gosh digital and kids and digital and it's it's the way to connect to be relevant with kids it's not that you don't do that, but there is, it's, it's not a one size fits all um, approach and and kids still like a physical non-digital experience um, in playing mm-hmm. and, and they and, and we had a, and I'm going to kind of go into the.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say we have data from YouthBeat, which yes. is one of the you know research companies we partner with, and they do, they survey kids throughout the year. And consistently throughout the years, they've asked, you know, what makes for a good uh, kids premium or kids giveaway at restaurants. And something that is fun to play with is the number one thing consistently, or in other surveys. Uh, is a toy is something that's come up. So, you know, sometimes as adults, we get a little cynical, like, (laughs) like, oh, it's just a little throwaway thing. And yet, (laughs) that's really exciting for kids to open that bag or and and see what's in there and have that little surprise and really, you know, play with it for a few days, it becomes the little favorite thing for a few days. And that makes a, a big impact.
0: So, you know, we're talking about, you know, restaurant recovery and this pent-up demand um, for in, in-premise dining. Um, but why do you feel that off-premise will remain a key factor for families? Um, is, it, is it all that still convenience is, is playing a factor and playing a role in that?
2: I think it is. And, you know, even before the pandemic, of family visits to QSRs was for off-premise dining, and most of that was drive-through, and that data is from NPD. So this is pre-pandemic, a majority of visits were to the drive-through. And then during the pandemic, families have gotten to experience that with all types of restaurants, they, they, you know, delivery and curbside became habits for people for casual dining and family dining as well. And now that they've had a taste of this kind of ultimate convenience, I, I don't think they're going to let that go. So that doesn't mean they're never going to go inside restaurants, but they also know how easy and seamless it can be to get that off premise. Um, not just at QSRs, but at all types of restaurants. Um, so and, you know, even before the pandemic off-premises identified as a growth area. So this just like took it to the next level. So we're we're not going to see that go away. And we know how busy families are and they're going to start getting busier and busier as things kind of get back to normal. And they're going to rely on that um, those off-premise solutions. So, you know, we really feel like th- that's not a part that, um, you know, restaurants should ignore because Kids are part of that experience. And when there's a little something extra for them, that makes them have a connection to that brand. And it also makes parents take note like, oh, my kid enjoyed that or our family enjoyed that. That works for us. And it's just going to make them want to come back again and again. So why is kid friendliness such a key factor in bringing people back to restaurants? Really, it's what parents told us. You know, we asked them how are you going to decide which restaurants to go to first? What's going to drive your decision and safe, safety and sanitation was the number one thing. But the very next thing they said was kid friendliness. And I think it's, um, it's almost obvious. Like, of course they want to take their kids somewhere kid friendly. Um, and that makes complete sense. And we've heard that in other surveys as well. With something like 75% of parents say, kid friendliness is very important when deciding where to take their kids. So what are little ways that your brand can kind of send that message that they're kid friendly, that they're family friendly, that they say, you're welcome here. And little things like, um, you know, a little giveaway or toy or premium or activity book is a way to do that. And, you know, we make some great products, but it's so true that not every single thing that a kid gets is going to be a slam dunk every time. But just the fact that it's there and the brand uh, kind of thought of the family, it I think really goes a long way. And it the kids hear that and the parents hear that and it makes them want to go back again.
1: Yeah, it's interesting with um, So we've been asking the kid friendly question for for decades because it is um, it's kind of like what's the quote unquote, good customer service. Everybody mm-hmm. has a vision or an idea of what that is for them. But to to reiterate what Julia has said that I have found interesting as I've seen surveys over the decades is it's simple things. But again, I believe we've stated this. So if we're <laughs> repeating ourselves, I apologize, Barbara, but this idea that simple things can go a long way. And I'm not sure if we spoke about this and we probably I don't believe heard this in the survey, Julia, that we just did. but. Something that seems simple is a, is a bathroom that is family friendly. And so when you ask a parent, what does that mean? It's simple. It's a changing table, which seems to be standard now, but years ago was not. Um, We've had parents say, gosh, we visited a restaurant where they had a little stepping stool. So my child could reach the sink. That made a huge difference in the experience. We had extra napkins, I mentioned that before. Um, we've had kids and parents say, when we sit down and there's a kid's menu specifically for kids and they have crayons and they have their own special cup and a special cup to us may seem like something extravagant, a special cup to a parent is a plastic you know, injection molded or PP thermo cup that has the kid design. That's a thoughtful design that matches the activity book and the crayons, and it has a lid that is secure. And it may sound silly to us here, but um, it doesn't sound silly to me or Julia, because we (laughs) we live in this world, but a bendy straw. We've had parents tell us over the years how important, and a bendy straw is simply a straw that bends (laughs) and how important that is for the experience that their family has at a restaurant. So, big picture or broadly, what those things say is, this is a place for my family and me. And what that means specifically is there have been thoughtful touch points along the way that say to a family, we are welcoming to you. And Mm -hmm. so it is the ease of even getting into the restaurant. And we don't see that as much in the Midwest because we have ample parking and that type of thing. But this idea of just the ease of getting in the restaurant. If I have multiple kids, if I have, if there's a wait before we sit down, is there some type of activity? Once we do sit down, you you sense a oh, goodness that's a family and they, and they may, may need a, a little extra attention. I'm going to be aware of that. I mentioned the bathroom situation. So this is a little bit down a rabbit hole, Barbara, feel free to <laughs> bring me in if you need to, but early on when Ziosk became a thing and that is the apparatus that's typically at tables that you can pay um at at casual dining it's like a tablet on the table yeah and and so what we heard from and i want to say this was 10 plus years ago what we would hear from parents is there's this point in the restaurant experience where it's going really well and then it goes starts to go really badly (laughs) and it was interesting to talk to them and they said, gosh, a lot of it is around pain. So this idea that things would break down at that point really was eye-opening because we would talk to our clients and they said, Oh my gosh, it's so funny you say that. There's actually this new thing out there called a ZEOS that we're that we're thinking of implementing because it can get parents out of the restaurant on their terms. And and so again, just knowing that simple little kind of um pain point for, for parents allowed restaurants to respond in a way that, that was really um, thoughtful and, I believe, um, helped in that area. And, and, of course, when you leave the restaurant, it, at the very end, you had a really trying experience because your child started to melt down and you couldn't pay your bill. You don't really want that to be the last Um, the last thing on your mind, you want it to be all the good things that happened.
2: Another anecdotes we hear from consumers or that we've kind of witnessed ourselves in restaurants is if a restaurant kind of a casual dining restaurant doesn't have an activity book and crayon, sometimes the parents resort to, you know, pulling out an old receipt and a pen to occupy their kid, or they ask the server, Hey, do you have this available? Um, So clearly there's a need for it. And consistently we see in surveys that that's an expectation of casual dining from parents.
0: Perfect. Thank you, ladies, so much.